Welcome to episode 49 of the Catfish Nice Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings, and of course, we're a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. We're bringing you the off-season edition of the Catfish Nice Podcast, and that pains me to say that. We're having to watch all these other teams have fun in the playoffs while we sit on the sidelines and have to watch. It's not a fun place to be in. But here we are, Fred's offseason is here, and uh, I gotta ask, how is Rich and Colin doing today as we are in the offseason? Doing good. I will tell you who's not doing good, that would be the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that, that was brutal for them. 3-1 <laughs> loss, buddy. Yeah, that's that's not the way they wanted uh, to go, especially after the lead they had. But other than that, good. You know who's... You know who's even doing worse than them? It's the uh, it's the it's the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Oh my gosh, what hey, a game that was! Enjoy. What was that a what was that a nine minute power play that I saw like circulating? Like how is yeah. I've never seen any. I mean, it was like just a complete complete yeah, I somebody, down. I saw somebody break it down. It was a lot of math. I don't understand. <laughs> a lot, a lot of math. Yeah. All yeah. right, so this is uh, this is episode 49 of the Catfish and Ice podcast, and it's time to start thinking off-season content here, and that's what we're focused on. And uh, this is uh, Chad Mitten, your host, with uh, Rich Howe and Colin Bluen. We are bringing you episode 49 here. We are presented by DraftKings, the number one sports book in America, and we uh, just love DraftKings, everything about it. It's so much fun to do that. And uh, – Right now, even though you've got the hockey playoffs going on, you've got the NBA playoffs going on, you got all this things you can do right now with the app, and all you got to do is use our promo code THPN, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app, and use our promo code when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. New customers only. Wagers paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And so, uh, yeah, have, have some fun with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Bet on some sports here. We got so much sports going on right now, and it's awesome. Like it's, it's almost like take your pick. What you got to do this uh, split screen action right now when it comes to watching sports because there's so much on right now. And so uh, this is what we got 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 on tap for you today with uh, episode 49. Of course, we got a uh, Memorial Day weekend going on, and we hope everyone's having a good time with their families and friends. We hope you got some good weather going going your way. I know that here in uh, in the Nashville area, we had a beautiful uh, Memorial Day. Uh, the sun was shining. The weather was great. People were out uh, cooking out, having fun with friends and family. It was a great thing to see. Uh, R- R- Rich is up in uh, Louisville. How, how, how was your uh, Memorial Day, man? It was good. We had uh, really nice weather. It was like 78 degrees. We uh, took the top off the Jeep, went riding around a little nice. bit. Um, didn't have a cookout, man, and just uh, just thankful for the uh, for the weekend and, and what it means. Uh, yes, yeah, definitely. What about you, Colin? Yeah, it was it was a little chillier up here in uh, Cincinnati. We were about, I think the high was seventy one, but 
Um, it was a relaxing day. Nothing too special. My wife, you know, was wor- had to work today, unfortunately. But she had the good thing is that she got done by like six p.m. So that was nice. Um, but I just you know relaxing, watched a little bit of some food Food Network marathons. <laughs> so oh, no. that's, all, that's always that. fun. Oh no, you know, it, it was good stuff. Especially I'm, I'm a big guy, Fieri Sam. So uh, it was it was fun watching him do his thing. But uh, no, it was it was a nice chill day and kind of kind of needed with everything. So it was yes. much appreciated. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a pretty nice what pretty nice weather here in Nashville. Uh, it was it, like I said, it was nice to see uh, everyone out and about. I love being outside. The more sunlight I can get, the better. And so I just spent the day outside, uh, hanging out with the dogs, and just uh, just just enjoying the day. And so it was uh, awesome. Today really does mean a lot to a lot of people. It's it's a very important day to remember who uh, sacrificed their lives to give us the freedom we enjoy to do stuff like this podcast. Like I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it really means a lot. So to, to all the, uh, people who have served, uh, we, we can't thank you enough. We are forever indebted to you. And so we appreciate you. And, uh, and I wanted to start the podcast podcast episode off with that for sure on this uh, special day that we're recording. And so uh, thank you to all those people. And so, uh, here's what we got in store for you here for, uh, episode 49 of the Catfish Nice podcast. We, uh, we're going to go over some off season to do list items for the Nashville Predators. And there, I expect a very busy offseason for the Preds in particular. They've got a lot to figure out. Uh, General Manager David Poyle has a lot on his plate this offseason because I have the Predators is one of those on-the-fence, painfully painful teams that, like, you don't know what they are. Are they, are they going in the right direction or are they – still one of those painfully average teams that might make the playoffs, but they're going to get knocked out in the first round. That's what they've shown us over the last few seasons is they're, they are a first-round playoff exit team, as much as that hurts me to say that. And so that's what this offseason off is about for me, is where is this team going? Are they going to reverse course and turn back into the team that can go deep in the playoffs, or is this just who we are right now? We're, we're a very average team. And so we're, we're going to unpack this. And then later on in the episode, if you download the podcast tomorrow, if you're watching right now on uh, Twitter, uh, if you're watching the stream right now, uh, on the uh, we're gonna the episode that gets dropped tomorrow, the full episode, we have Alex Daugherty of uh, A to Z Sports, who we uh, joined the podcast and also discussed a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about coming up here. And so uh, let's go with Colin first here. Colin, what is your number one off-season priority, if you will, when it comes to the Preds? Fix the I know, that, board. I, I know hey, that's a loaded question. It, it is, and I can get into some details here. I can get into just keeping it, you know, a certain point of like certain, I guess, uh, a height in the point of view, but. I think you got to fix the forward group. Um, I think our forward group desperately needs some some skill infused into it, and we'll get into it with Alex. But I think you know, t- talking, you know, I think that we really need to figure out who can be who can create offense for us and who does not fit into this system. I think this year kind of highlighted what works for us, what doesn't work for us. Um, we know that you know Heinz likes veterans, and so there are some free agents it's not a great free agent market this uh, this off season but there's some free agents that'll be available that might be worth pursuing but it also takes uh, you know some spending some money it also takes cutting some guys loose that we might not want to see leave but it might be time for them to go 
also might take a trade that um, we aren't necessarily sure is even available to us yet, but might surprise us. I mean, it's you never know with the NHL. You never know with David Poyle. Like, I mean, we obviously had the expansion process, but he's also been a magician sometimes when it comes to finding trades that work and that that make it work for us, you know, long term. And then he's also kind of had some flubs there too. So, um, for me, I think right at the bat, you know, if you look at the current team, I'd say my biggest priority is re-sign Mikhail Granlin. That is, that's the first one. Um, and you know, I think that. Everything else can get figured out. I think UC Saros doesn't go anywhere. I think they'll they'll pay him what he needs yeah, to, yeah. to be to stay. Pekka, if he wants to stay, I think we'll make it happen. If not, I, I don't think he's gonna. I, I don't see Pekka gouging the team for for a lot of money to be a backup goaltender right now. Um, and I don't think he wants to go anywhere else necessarily. Uh, defensively, I feel like we're good. So I, I would say Mikhail Mikhail Grandland, uh, and possibly freeing up some cap space. So you know, taking a look at you know, Ryan Johansson, obviously, and Matt Duchesne. Uh, as well, but maybe freeing up some numbers there, so we can spend some money if we need to. All right, what about you, Rich? What's your uh, what's your top off season priority right now? What's the number one thing that's on your mind? Where you're like, okay, this is what's on my radar. This is what I want to learn more about. This is something that needs to be figured out along those lines. Uh, <clears throat> Colin touched on it a little bit. It kind of hinges on what. Pecorine is going to do because we know that they're going to give Saros like back a Brinks truck up to his house and all <laughs> the cash yeah. on his front lawn because uh, pretty much cause he yeah because he deserves it. Um, I think if if Rene retires, that you know that kind of hinges on like what are they going to do for a backup. Um, I was looking at I read an article um, Adam Bingen did he was talking a little bit about it and he said that uh, you know they have Casimir Kes- Kaskasuo. But he kind of yeah. hinted that he might be wanting to move on. He, yeah, he, he I saw that. Move. He he basically did like a thank like a thank you thing to the Preds. Yeah. Did like this. It was very classy on his part, by the way. Yeah, very yeah. very nice of him. Yeah, he said thank you, and then he said time to figure out what's next. So you kind of take that for whatever it is. And then he he also spoke a little bit about Connor Ingram. He said, you know, he only played in five AHL games this season, so like. Is, is he ready to, to be a full-time backup? That's kind of a, you know, an yeah. iffy proposition. And, you know, other than that, I know they have uh, Devin Cooley. He plays in Florida for them, uh, for the Everblades. But after that, you know, I think if Rene retires, they're probably going to have to go out and find a really good backup. And one of the guys that was mentioned in the article was uh, Boston's backup goaltender, um, Halak. He'd be, mm-hmm. might be a good, a good pick. And what's funny is he's 5'11". He's just like Saros. He's tall as Saros, so that might be <laughs> a little different. So the whole, the whole, so the whole thought of an outsider backup to Saros is just weird for me as a as a as a, as a, uh, as a lifelong Preds fan because the Preds have always done homegrown goaltenders mm-hmm. for the most part. Yep. You know, like even going back to their early days, they've always had like rock hard, sturdy goaltending. You know, you go back to uh, Mike Dunham. You go back to Thomas Bukun. You go to Dan Ellis. You go to Chris mm-hmm. Mason. You go to uh, – then you go to Pecorino after that, really. So, it's like – I mean, they just always had it under control with their goaltending, and they have it now with UC Soros. But when we talk about that backup role, it is very, very much up in the air. We think oh, it would be Connor Ingram. But it does hinge a lot on what Pecorine wants to do. And I'm sure that David Poyle is going to do everything he can to, to talk Pecorine into coming back for a one-year deal, yeah. short and simple, and just to give him 
Give us one more year, Pekka, to uh, yeah. hat back up Soros. Uh, Colin, you were about to say something, man. What were you about yeah, to say? Yeah, I, uh, I think you know we got Connor Ingram until twenty twenty three, and I think that we we can't forget. I mean, he his issue this year wasn't due to his play; it was due to his right. mental health, and we got to commend him for taking care of that, going right. through the yep. process, the, league, the league's process, and we're lucky that the league provides the resources it does to players, to make sure they can get the help they need. But um, you know, Connor Ingram, I think that he was, I mean, he was the best AHL goaltender. Not even, I mean, it was it was a year ago, a little, a little less, a little more than a year ago. He was the best goaltender in the NHL. So, I would say, you know, that's that's your guy. He's not your long term future necessarily, especially when you're looking at. 2023 around that range, like you're probably going to have UC Saros maybe one year past that. And then really you gotta start looking towards Askarov. Maybe he's probably ready by then, I would imagine. Because um, three three years for his type of uh, talent caliber and where he was taken, I think is reasonable. But I would say, you know, Connor Ingram, like you've got him. You got you to kind of think he's under contract. He's probably going to be in that role as long as he can, you know, stay with the team and be okay in that sense. And then, you know, you look past that, like who's going to be our next AHL piece. Casimir Keskatu is an unrestricted free agent, so he's free to go wherever he goes. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that he's really too high on the list where they feel like they need to bring him back necessarily. But, uh, you know, my question for you guys is, you know, with Soros, I don't think – I think he's going to get, you know, a good contract. I think he's probably going to get a three to, you know, two to four years. I'd say three years yeah. if I was guessing contract. And I would say probably not necessarily Pecorine money where it's $5 million even. See, I, would I say can't – I came around that four to five million dollar range. Uh, yeah. If anyone, if I, anyone wants to check out my I, article that I put on Predlines.com today, I basically uh, mapped out like my top uh, contracts to focus on. If you're a Preds fan right now, or, or if yeah. you're David Poyle for that matter, and just I, it focuses on players that are becoming free agents mostly, but also focuses on even players who aren't free agents, and uh, just talking about these players and. When it comes to UC Soros, you, you you know you said that five million range might be a little too much for you, Colin. I feel like that's the ceiling that he might. Earn. I, I agree. I agree. But uh, I I uh, think that. I, well, I was gonna say I think I'll, that the four point five million is probably a good sweet spot, yeah, yeah. but at the same time he, he doesn't he doesn't have as much you know as much power as a, a Pecorino did when he negotiated his. That's true. Because was a, an unrestricted. He's restricted, so there's a little bit yes. more power with with that. And I think that I still think that. He's not going to get the. He's not going to get the the no trade clause. I think that's still going to be a piece more, that they uh, probably hold on to. I'm more interested in the term he gets, like how long. Yeah. Like I want to see. Think, like I'm thinking, like in the three year range. Yeah. Like I'm, I don't I'm think not going more than four. I'm not going long term, not because Soros hasn't earned it, but it's just a very risky proposition to go much longer than that. And so I'm thinking like three to four years is the longest as I would go with him. And uh, and the only reason I even say that is because he's still a very young goaltender. I know that's hard to believe because he was thrown in so quickly, and he's been uh, he's been Pekka's backup for so long now that it feels like oh, how do you not know if he's ready or not? How you should know by now, but he's still 26 years old, and you're waiting to see that playoff success. And he showed it this year. He did mm-hmm. show it this yeah, year. He did. He did play, yeah. and he played pretty well in the bubble. He did. But it's still, I think he's earned three to four years, four years max. I, I is, agree is, with that. Is I think, all I'm going. 
I think four years is a stealing as far as the term goes. I, and I think that part of it's just that you have to play the market. It's not just the the player. I mean, he's a great yeah. goaltender. We're not we're not saying he is not a great goaltender that he doesn't deserve a a solid contract to save the team. But the market is we have someone in Askarov who's probably going to be the future. I mean, that's the goal is that he is going to be the goalie that can get you, you know, five to six years at least of good hockey. But at the same time, you look at the goalie market the rest of the NHL's way, and really, the goalies goalie goaltending is very much it's a more volatile position than it used to be. It used to be you could rely on a goaltender to get you through, you know, almost a decade worth of you know, their career. Now, I mean, even look at guys, you're looking at guys like Matt Murray and like, uh, you know, Bennington, like they have great seasons yeah. and they're, they're the drop off. You know what? Very uh, steep. You know, a goaltender I comp- that just, uh, that has a similarly seemingly new contract that I compare what I think Soros might come in the neighborhood of is a uh, Simeon, for Alamov of the mm-hmm. Newark mm-hmm. Islanders. I kind of compare yeah. it to that because even though he's a lot older than uh, than uh, Saros is, I feel like he is the s- similar type of goaltender where he earned it and he got a five, he has a he has a five million dollar cap hit right now for the for the uh, Islanders with a uh, four year deal that he signed in 2019-2020 season. So he's uh and I'm using Puckpedia. We use Puckpedia for a lot of our salary cap stuff. I know people use Cap Friendly as well. But we've had a we've had Puckpedia on the podcast before in the early days of the podcast, and so we use Puckpedia.com for a lot of our uh, salary caps information. They do great stuff there, and so that's kind of the contract that I. That's one of the goaltenders I look at. You've got Philip Grubauer, who I mean, you're, you start looking at these goaltenders, and you're like, okay, who can we compare Soros to? to figure out what is he going to command. And so you can't, you tend to land in that four to $5 million range. And then, then you just have to figure out how long are you trying to sign this guy for? And so um, kind of rich, what's your thoughts on that? Cause I feel like UC Soros is a very big centerpiece of this offseason. Not because we don't think we're going to sign him. We know he's going to be here next season, but what this contract is going to look at look like, is a big part of this offseason and what Poyle negotiates. So how do you feel about it, Rich? I would say, like you guys said, a three, three, four-year deal would be good. Um, Poyle doesn't have the best luck with the really long-term deals, as we've seen. Some of them work out, some of them don't. But um, A lot of them I, haven't worked out. <laughs> here recently, recently, a lot of them haven't. But, yeah, I just think, you know, locking him up for three or four years and then that way, like Colin said, you have Askarov coming in and, we just got to figure out getting past this season and just just see what we can do. Uh, well, and the fact, hopefully, the hope the hope is that Pecorino will come back, and I, I kind of think I kind of think that he will. He deserves that one more full year that you know that he didn't get, and and what better backup could you have? Well, than if he so, wants it, if Pecca wants it, I think we all agree that he's going to get it. Oh, I don't yeah, see that. I don't. I don't see the Preds saying thanks but no thanks, and they don't bring him back. I think yeah. Pecca did enough this past season to where. He's shown he's still a very quality backup goaltender in this league if he wants to do it. Yep. He might not want yep. to. I know we saw yep. that uh I know we saw that rumor. I'm not saying it's necessarily a rumor, but we saw that article that was written in, at a Finnish newspaper and linking him to where they want to bring him here when his contract's over. I mean, I'm not saying that's not true, but I think if Pekka plays another season of hockey, it will be in Nashville. If he doesn't play in Nashville next season, it will be because he's retiring from right. hockey all altogether. We I could be wrong about that, but that's just my that's just kind of my feeling on it. 
But I do think the Preds are in a very good situation when it comes to their goaltending. I do think that they have a lot going for them in that regard. And like Colin just said, uh, Saros is a restricted free agent, so that gives you a little bit more leverage there. And so it will be very interesting to see what exactly that contract looks like. Some mm-hmm. other players who have contracts, um, you've got Eric Holla, who's an un, uh, unrestricted free agent. Me personally, as much as I love Holla, and I know you guys know this, I was all on the Holla train. I was all about he grew on me like crazy as the season went on. I don't see him being back next year. I think I, that he's probably going to go somewhere else. I don't see him being back. I also I – mean, I go back and forth. Like it's you know one of those things where if I if he wanted to come back at that at the same rate, if he wanted to come back for $1.75 million, I would say, okay, like maybe, yeah. maybe one more year. I mean him, yeah, I think that that's, that's a kind of a, a tricky one. I definitely don't see us bringing back Brad Richardson. No. I, I don't see the value there. Um, you know, I uh, – ooh. Yeah, Eric Holla, if unless the deal is really there, that's that's a tough one. For me, the question is, you know, what are we gonna pay Mikhail Mikhail Grandlin? You know, it's yes. gonna be three point seven five million I over think the course that, of three years. Yeah. I think Grandlin, so you know, it's interesting because I feel like it's deja vu right now because last offseason Grandlin tested the free agency market, didn't get any bites. I get it, it was a much different offseason with COVID and with everything going on. So you didn't see as much movement and all that stuff. But so this offseason is going to feel a lot more normal when it comes to players moving around and stuff. But yeah. I think that Granlin's going to get a lot of looks. I think that a lot of teams are going to be way more interested in him than they were last offseason. That's how I feel about I, it. I, I don't. I just don't know. I mean, he looked really good in our system, but there, at the same time, there are times where he disappeared again, uh, especially yeah. down the stretch. He's a. He, he can be kind of streaky, and, and I think that yeah. when we look at the free agent market across the board, there are a lot of similar wingers that, or better wingers out there that. They could probably get you know be had a similar price of you know close to either four point five million or five million. I, I don't see him getting much higher than four million at, from anybody. I think yeah. we would offer it to him because I think he has earned a place on the team, and I think Heinz likes him enough that you know four four to four point two five, which is right around where you know Victor Arvinson is. I think that's kind of the ceiling for him is four point two five if he was to stay with us, and I think that would probably be the best offer. He might get on the open market anyways. And if he likes Nashville, that's so I gotta you know why move. I, 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 gotta, I, gotta, I, gotta, I, go I was just gonna say real fast, I think that four million would be a good a good cap for him. You know, I think he's played played well enough to deserve at least that much. Um so I think that would be I, I would like to see him come back. I mean I thought I, I like him a lot. I think he's a good player and I think he fits pretty good in the system. He just he does have those times, like you said, where he does disappear, and that's that's the unfortunate part. I think he, I think he has a solid place on the second line. If anything else, yeah. we bring him back. Um, yeah. But uh, also, I want to share this, and so I came across this: uh, the top thirty unrestricted free agents, according to the Hockey News, which is part of Sports Illustrated. Uh, this is only this is this article is about a month old, but I feel like not a lot's changed since then. This list is still pretty accurate. Of course, they got Alex Ovechkin at number one on their top 30. Uh, yeah. They got Dougie Hamilton. We just saw Dougie Hamilton in the first round with the, with the Hurricanes. He's, a, he's number two. But you got, you, got, you got Granlin on their list at number 18. Oh, and yeah. so uh, they, they, they pretty much just say that, like, he's, he's probably never going to reach the ceiling that everyone thought he was going to reach, but that he's still a very skilled top six forward. It makes an underrated defensive impact. Uh, that part kind of threw me off a little bit, but he's definitely a very skilled top six forward. And now, then he's so – I got to ask you. 
he's very versatile, of course. I gotta ask you a question. Looking at that article, so let's say we shed a Duchesne, a Duchesne, or a well, we're about to get salad. to that. We're about to get to Duchesne. But, but do uh, we go after? Do we go after a Mr. Taylor Hall at number six there? No, no, <laughs> no, 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 David, no, no. He's gonna go Here's the thing, though. Okay, so for the longest time, Duchesne was David Poyle's white whale, but he also very, very, very much coveted Taylor Hall. He's been know, in a lot yeah. of conversations for Nashville, and the thing is, yeah. like, he kind of is what we need in chasing, terms of an upgraded offensive forward. But that's what you just said. Chasing white whales is what scares me about David Poyle. I'm not saying would you do it. I'm just saying, do you think we will because it's David Poyle? Because oh, okay. Poyle. Well, if you're asking me, if you're asking me what I think David Poyle is going to do, then nothing will surprise me because this guy is a shrewd operator that just does does stuff that you don't even expect. So I yeah. don't I don't put anything past David Poyle when it comes that, to pulling moves. That and then we got you know Jack Eichel's not happy in Buffalo. So and that's man. That's if there if there if there was a young if there was a young forward that you could invest in and yeah. have probably the next all, six to eight years. I mean he's that's a, that would be a move. To, all, a move. all I can say yeah. all I can say is buckle up, Preds fans, because I do think it's going to be a very uh, turbulent off season. Whether that's you take that as a positive or a negative, I think this offseason is going to have plenty to focus on. So even though the Preds season is over and we're out of the playoffs, take it take about I think all this is really going to start gaining steam because we still got the expansion draft, which is going to come first. That's when free agency is really going to take off is after the expansion draft. But um, get ready for it. Take about a month off where you don't really have to focus on the Preds that much if you don't want to. You better still listen to our podcast, though. So we're still going to give you a bunch of good stuff. But I will say, let's take about a month where there's not going to be a lot of Preds news, and then it's going to ramp right back up, I'm telling you, because I think it's going to be a busy offseason. Uh, Rich, kind of give us your thoughts, man. What do you think about about the Preds pursuing a big free agent, kind of like what Colin's talking about, pursuing another white whale, if you will? Like, How do you feel about that? Does that scare you? Um, I, I would like to see them get try to get some kind of elite forward. Like a Jack Eichel, I don't know. I think you're, you'd have a hard time prying Taylor Hall out of Boston. I think he yeah. really liked it up there, and he's playing. I think really he does well. too. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't see why he would want to even leave that organization. But um, I know if they try to get Eichel, they're gonna. They're probably gonna have to give up a decent amount, a lot, a, a lot of stuff. Maybe like the mascot and some Zamboni drivers. I don't know. But well, um, then he, I mean, then again, the Buffalo had a. Fire they might even. To give up to get Jack Eichel, we might have to give up like uh, Pete yeah. Weber or something, like yeah. Terry Crisp. And I'm and if that, if that happens, we're not doing it. I ain't giving yeah, okay. up Terry Crisp or no. or Pete Weber for any no. player. No, we'll give him Lucas Bisa, yes. Jared Stillman, uh, and Jared Stillman, Jared Stillman, Waffer, Waffer Jared Stillman, the best the best hot dog vendor in this in the arena, yeah, and, a and a Coke machine, and a Coke machine. In a cup machine, all for Jack Eichel. That's and, and 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 a third round pick, just to just to call it even, just call it yeah, even. That's fine. Hey, I, I'm good with that. Hey, I'll even throw, I'll even sweeten the pot. We'll give them all the pedal taverns in Nashville <laughs> because Ooh. I can't handle I can't handle pedal taverns anymore. Uh, I have to deal with them every day. And if Buffalo wants to go ahead and take all the pedal taverns from Nashville and they can turn it into the Nashville North with the pedal taverns, I will consider that a win. Hey, I don't even. Yeah, I don't fair. even live down there. I don't even live down there, and they bug me. No, it's stuff. out of control, man. It's out of control. But anyway, all right. So that that's our trade offer for Jack Eichel, uh, Buffalo Sabers executives. If you're listening right now, that's our offer. Take it or leave it. We will give you all that for Jack Eichel. I think it's a fair trade. I How really can you do. say no? How can you say no? Yeah, How can you say no to that? 
So, uh, but I did find this uh, restricted free agent list very interesting by uh, the Hockey News. It's worth a, a read. There's some really interesting names on here. Um, Who are the top five? Well, top, top five. five. So I'll run off the top five real quick. Yeah, for you. So uh, again, this is like about a month old, but I still feel like it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty uh, relative to where we're at right now. So you got Ovechkin number one. You've got Dougie Hamilton number two. You've got uh, Landeskog, Gabriel Landeskog for the uh, Avalanche. That's a big one. He's that's not going anywhere. A, he's he's not, not going anywhere, anywhere, but that's still a big one, though. And then you got a, you got Nugent Hopkins uh, at number four. Uh, so, I mean, for the Oilers, the Oilers are in a mess right now. Man. Like, they have they have underperformed. Like, you want to talk about the Edmonton Oilers coming up short, drastically short, two years in a row. Uh, so, and then, uh, and then coming in at number five is Tuka Rask. Uh, so uh, he had a seven million dollar cap hit this past season. So um, yeah, I mean, thirty and thirty four years old too. So you know, a team's going to snatch him up. A, a goalie, a, a stricken team is going to snatch him up quick. I, I can see uh, the Ducks doing it. The Taylor Ducks Hall, thirty plus year old goaltender. Yeah, <laughs> Taylor Hall comes in at number six. Uh, Groove Hours number seven. It's a really, I mean, we could go on all all night about yeah, this yeah. article, but it, it's a really good. So go check that out on the Hockey News, which is a uh, part of Sports Illustrated. I found it to be a really, really good piece. That's uh, written by Matt Larkin. So go read that. I still think feel like it's pretty. Uh, it's it's still pretty uh, important to where we're at now, even a month later. So uh, okay, let's talk about this. Let's get into Matt Duchesne and more so also Ryan Johansson because those are the two eight million eight million dollar eyesores of the Pred situation right now. They both make eight million dollars, but I, I, we can't put them in the same boat. I'm not going to put them in the same boat. Because I feel like Ryan Johansson, uh, kind of like I won't say he completely lived up to eight million dollars, but he definitely put out a really strong case. Where I feel like the damage is already done with Matt Duchesne. I feel like the experiment's over, I, and I think that there are some teams out there who would still love to give Matt Duchesne the change of scenery. We talk about it in sports all the time. Sometimes a star player, a skilled player just needs to change the scenery, then they go to that new place and they thrive. And I feel like Matt Duchesne could thrive in Seattle. So, Seattle, I'm giving you my sales pitch right now. We just made a sales pitch to Buffalo. Let's go ahead and put uh, the Seattle Kraken on the list. Seattle, you're up next. We're making our sales pitch for you right now. Why would you not want Matt Duchesne on your team right now? Just do it. Just go do it. We'll even take on part of the salary. We'll take on part of it. We're still paying. We're still paying Kyle Turris money. I mean, that's gonna be a challenge. Would, is how are we? To, how are we gonna shed the salary? Because I, th- I, I, here's the thing though. Because here's here's why I don't. I disagree. Because Seattle, like we've we've shown that Matthew Shane when he's played with line mates can be successful. But with Seattle, who are you gonna put him with? That's gonna be equal to Philip Forsberg or Ryan Johansson. I just, I almost feel like maybe even another team might have to take him off our hands if they really want a. a, a one of those guys. I th- I agree with you on Joe Hansen, but I agree with you probably for a different reason. And it's just because you need a top line center. And and unfortunately, if, if we lose, you know, Ryan Johansson, that's our best center. And I'm not sure Duchesne's the next best one on the on the team. And so I, I would just say, you know, I think that Seattle would be I don't think he'd be bad for Seattle, but I could see why Seattle might say no, just because they don't know what his linemate situation is gonna be like. And you're is he gonna go into my, a similar situation? Colin, Colin, you are not helping my sales pitch right now, man. I know, I'm sorry. Because you, you're making you're making a good point there. I guess what I got I'm some expectations. To, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I would prefer 
for Matt Duchesne to be wearing a Seattle Kraken jersey next season. And I would I would pull for the guy. I have no ill will towards Duchesne. No, I think a no, lot of the no. criticism he gets is overblown. I Sometimes I get sick to my stomach seeing some of these Preds fans who don't understand hockey. Sorry, but I'm going to say it right now. There's some Preds fans out there who don't understand hockey, and they just come at Matt Duchesne like he's some scrub, and he's not. Has he lived up to $8 million a year? No. I'll no. agree with you on that. But that's not his fault. He's not the one that wrote the check. So direct your anger towards David Poyle if you want to be mad about the contract. But when it comes to Matt Duchesne, the player, he has not been a complete bust here. But I will say that it, the experiment should maybe come to an end if we can get out of the contract and we can find another team for him. And so if for some reason uh, Seattle falls in love with Matt Duchesne and they decide that that's the player they'll take from us, I would be all for it. I would be cheering for Matt Duchesne to be successful there. And we would just cut our losses and move on. And Matt Duchesne can pick up grunge music in Seattle. I'm just I'm just tired of playing paying other players to play on other teams. Like we got Tyler Turris who had this stint with the Oilers. That's true. We're, You're still, all right. playing, we're still paying Shea Weber's contract. And those affect the season to season cap hits. It's not like we can, you know, you know, kind of convert it into like a signing bonus like you might in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like it counts every year. We're writing those checks, right and that's that, a chunk yeah. of our team going out. Mm-hmm. We need some more cap space. I mean, we have a good a good chunk of it coming into the next season where there's still I think it was like seven million or something available. But if you're going to free that much cap space, free that much cap space. Don't pay for a guy that, you know, I mean, that's why these long-term deals are so iffy. It's just, it's such a gamble, but man, if we, if we're going to trade him, I, I hope we find a team that takes on the full amount and the full term. Yeah. We'll see. It, that's another thing to focus on. Do you think if it's not Seattle, that another team would have interest? I don't think so. I don't, I'm kind of thinking not either. I, I mean, I, and if I you think, do get one, they are going to want you to keep some of the, some of the salary. You, you I know mean, if you, if you force me to bet on it right now, I think Matt Duchesne is going to be on the Predators next season. I, I, I'm thinking they're both going to be for some they, reason. They very well could be. And then we're getting ready to talk to Alex Darty of uh, yeah. ADC Sports. And uh, we're really thrilled to have him be joining the podcast. And we're going to get into this even more. We're going to get his thoughts on it. He has a lot of thoughts on it, let me tell you. And so he's going to give us an even uh, – even more in-depth perspective mm-hmm. on this situation. And it's a big part of this off-season to-do list that we're talking about on episode 49 of the Catfish and Ice podcast. And so we got to get to that interview. But real quick, before we get to that, uh, let's talk about one more thing on the season, uh, on this off-season. And that is, of course, what are we going to do about the NHL draft itself? I mean, everyone's mm-hmm. overlooking the NHL draft. It's coming. The, the it's, regular NHL draft. Now, I know it's a very weak draft class per se. And I, I, I let me just say this really quick. I think one of the reasons why the NHL draft class this year looks quote-unquote weak is because we don't know a lot about these players like we normally would because of yeah. COVID. And so I don't think it's necessarily that there's not good players in this draft. It's just the scouts don't have as much of a uh, – of an understanding of some of these players like they normally would. And so real quick, we'll, we're going to talk about the draft more as it gets closer. That'll be a whole episode, but yeah. Um, yeah. I want to touch on it really quickly. Who, what do we, what, what do we feel like that is the biggest area of need right now? So I feel like with the, with the draft, and I agree with you 100% as far as we haven't seen these guys, and especially because some of these prep leagues weren't even able to hold seasons. Like you look at yeah. the Canadian leagues, they had some really uh, even more strict uh, restrictions than the U S yeah. did. But 
this feels like one of those drafts where you're drafting you, you gotta go with your scouting part department which that is a whole other conversation too probably a whole other episode but you're not really drafting for need you're, you're drafting for best position available just because we've seen i mean we've seen guys like alexander carrier that have stepped up we've seen david ference who looks like he's ready to rock and roll um, we've seen forwards, you know, especially Rim Pitlick and Tomasino. We, we've seen a little bit of Rim Pitlick. We have not seen Tomasino. Like, we're good there. I mean, there, there's a lot to be excited about in, in, on the pipeline. Um, Jusuf Parsonen from, uh, uh, what is yes. it, uh, Finland. He's yeah. going to be good. We've got uh, uh, Chisikov. Semyon Chisikov, yes. yep. Yes. So it, it's going to be very interesting I just butchered that, by the way. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to see, you know, the, some of the, the forward depth and even the defenseman depth um, coming up. I think that if anything, we might need a little bit to to restock on defenseman a little bit, but we almost have a logjam there. Like when you consider the fact that Gibranson and Ben Harper are seeing minutes, but really because we even have we even have a Jeremy Davies, who I know people aren't crazy about, but he's still young, still has a lot to mm-hmm. shape into his game, and he showed some flashes. It was I'd say probably on par with Dante Fabro in terms of the, uh, the offensive skill set. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see where it's at. But I feel like with this draft and with as little as known, you have to kind of go with you know what the what's best on the board and not necessarily um, what you're drafting for in terms of needs. Because how do you predict it this far out, especially when they may not see the ice for three to four years? Right. That's, what that's, that's true. Tough. That's the, that's the tough part about the draft is you, you're not going to see them for a long time, so you really don't know what they're going to do. I'm right there with you, Colin. I think you're drafted best player available, the best you can come up with. Even though I would like this team to keep stocking up on Fords and on centers, maybe uh, you know, God forbid we find another center. Like I feel like this team has always had a hard, this franchise has always had a hard time finding centers, and so I, I always during draft classes I'm always like leaning towards find the next big center. I know that's easier said than done, but uh, real quick before we uh, before we uh, go to the next segment and we uh, give you our interview with Alex Darty of uh, A to Z Sports. I want to share, this is from uh, HockeyProspecting.com, Byron Bader, uh, who writes for them. Uh, Go follow him on on Twitter. But he put out his uh, prospect rankings for all of the uh, teams in the league. He ranked every prospect pool. And uh, he actually broke it down into categories, different categories, in terms of top five NHL players, top five stars, uh, like he, re- this is like an in-depth ranking list he came up with. So everyone needs to go check this out. But he has the Preds as number fourteen prospect pool, and so I, I've I've kind of been saying like I feel like the Preds prospect pool is definitely pushed into the top half of the league over the last uh, year. And whereas yeah. if you would ask me this same question like two years ago, our prospect pool was very unknown. It was very lacking, and and now I feel like it's really on the up and up. And so uh, we're right there with some of these big teams in the league. And so it's a, it's a good position to be in. So uh, really, I, that made me feel good when I saw that uh, mm-hmm. he, he put Nashville at number 14. And, of course, you don't know for sure what any of these are. You're kind of playing guesswork. But uh, I think, uh, you, lean, uh, you I think- lean on that scouting department. Yep. Well, if you only go by names, I think Jack Hughes' little brother is in the draft, so that's something <laughs> worth noting. But I mean, really, outside of that, yeah, especially because there's so many like there's so many players that are playing on foreign soil now for their prep leagues. So yeah, it's gonna be fun. I mean, you're always what's the, what's the, what's the saying? You're always a third round pick away from Patrice Bergeron. So <laughs> take that for take that for what you will. There you go. That's really true. That's funny for sure. Too funny. 
Hey guys, real quick, All shout right. out to so we are going to go. Mac Max Greenberg, our fellow Fredlines writer, was uh, chipping in on the uh, comments tonight. So yeah, thanks, Max. Yeah. What's up? What's up, Max? Yeah, okay. He said I wouldn't yeah. be so sure about Landon Scott re-signing. As have to re-sign McCarr and Grubauer. So that's yeah. a good point there. That's a good point for Max. Max yeah. is a really good writer. We are thrilled to yeah. have him as part of our Fredlines family. And uh, so, Max, thanks for uh, joining the joining the show and, and chiming yep, in on that. And he also he also said also have to think his season starts ha- his season starts haven't been great. There could be a question okay. of consistency. I think he's talking about okay. Soros there. Yep. And so uh, that's true. And we have talked about that. So there's a lot to figure yep. out this offseason. And stay tuned on episode 49 because yes. we're getting ready to talk to Alex Darty of A to Z Sports. Great interview we have lined up with him. We are really thrilled that he took time to join our podcast. And so thank you to Alex for doing that. So stay tuned for that interview. And uh, we'll be right back on the Catfish and Ice podcast, episode 49, brought to you by DraftKings. Hey, hockey fans, I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. We host the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're lifelong hockey fans who talk about the game and the lifestyle. Our guests include professional hockey players. My rookie party had to wear Speedo, and then we had a checklist of stuff we had to do. Here we go, Gaber. What do you got to say? And it's kind of <laughs> like, you know better than that now, boys. I got dressed for the Bruins. You get a phone call. He's like, dude, we need you over here by the elevator. You got to get downstairs. You got to get dressed right now. I started playing the like, dun, 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 dun. And I turned it around and it had the Olympic rings and said, we did it. NHL team hockey reporters. I actually took the Stanley Cup to this ice bar where they've got now girls around them and I've got a fur coat on. <laughs> wonder who who he should checked over here and then <laughs> i looked down at my face hockey fans the entire bar was lined with guys in king's jerseys we quickly realized oh my gosh this is the dad's trick and we bring unique hockey stories to light coming back to england 24 right. rips in the entire country that's where the problem starts with the sport of ice hockey here. Canadian Blind Hockey Association, those few kids we interviewed, their whole week is built around Sunday at the rink. They're just hockey players. We don't agree on everything. Pineapple goes on pizza. <gasps> no, it does not. <laughs> I think it does. But we do agree that there are many people and places that build the House of Hockey. New episodes every Tuesday. Come on in to the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. All right, welcome back to episode 49 of the Catfish and Ice podcast. We're presented by DraftKings. Go download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use our promo promo code THPN. And, of course, we're part of the Hockey Podcast Network as well. This is Chad Minton with Rich Chow and Colin Bluen, and we are really excited to have Alex Darty of A to Z Sports join the podcast here on this Memorial Day. So we appreciate that. Alex, how are you doing today, uh, sir? I'm doing great. How are you all? Thanks for having me on. Doing good. Well, good, good. Awesome. We're doing great. We're uh, decompressing. We're decompressing from the Pred season. Uh, we're kind of taking a little bit of a breather after that roller coaster. How uh, How about you, man? How, how have you been doing uh, since the Pred season came to an end? Uh, yeah, it's it's been fine. I mean, I, I um, you know, it's it's 
being in a, a little bit of a different position because you know it, it once the season's over it's you know like <laughs> my workload my workload goes way down so that's kind of nice but yeah. Um, yeah I, I will say that you know this is this has been one of the most interesting kind of uh craziest seasons and in, 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 that i can remember just because it, n- nothing really seemed to go exactly how we thought it was going to go like from the beginning on and the conclusion was pretty pretty dramatic as well i mean i i think yeah. most people expected them to lose to the hurricanes i mean a ton of people predicted the hurricanes to win i actually predicted the preds to win but um but most people predicted hurricanes to win no one thought it would be in the same like manner as it was with four overtime games and and going to six games and it was just it was nuts so it was like this weird season where there were some expectations on one side and then those expectations changed mid-season and then they went on this incredible run mostly just on the backs of uc soros and um unfortunately couldn't couldn't capitalize yeah. but uh yeah it, it's been it's been, it was really fun to watch and i'll be interested to see what happens moving forward yeah. so yep i'm the uh so i guess i'm the lone person in the room that had the uh had the canes winning that series <laughs> that but uh i gotta say though nice going going into uh game six i was feeling pretty good about the preds honestly <laughs> like i was thinking man if they can if they can get this to a game seven then but uh, it just the way that the way that overtime ended, it was what really just uh, made it hurt yeah. that much worse. Because it was like you're expecting the overtime to go on for a little bit, and it just the way the goal was scored, how it just kind of skipped past Soros like that. It was like just like that, the season is over. It was just really hard to really hard to swallow. There, it was it was tough. Yeah, I think um, uh, I was I was probably the height of my like positivity of this of this series was in between game four and five. I mean, at that point, uh, you know, they tie up the series. Um, they'd only done that a handful of times that they've been down Oh two and tied up the series. Um, they obviously never won a series like that, but I was feeling pretty good about it because of just, you know, how they, the, the trend was that Carolina was kind of doing just Carolina was basically just doing the same thing in every game. I mean, like they, they, they were just plugging their, their best players into the best position and just going. And the Predators had kind of switched things up. You know, they they moved Matt Duchesne to the top line. They they just they decided to only go with one, um, you know, hardcore fourth line checking line, which was a really good line with Tanner Janot and Jakob Trennan, Colton Sissons. And then the middle six were just kind of flip flopping, and they put Tolvanen in. They took him out. So like they were changing things. You know, uh, they took Good Branson out of the defensive lineup and put uh, put Matt Benning back in. So like. The, the, whereas exactly that was a great decision i mean it was very odd that he was even in there to begin with but the, if you look at the trend line it was like carolina was just kind of like the staying the same and nashville was going up in that series so four and five, between games four and five i was like this is great and then the way game five went i mean if they win game five they win the series i, I don't think there's anyone doubts that i mean I, I, even if it went to seven i feel like they would win mm-hmm. um so but unfortunately you just don't get the bounces you need and they had that that you know, as much as people don't want to blame it on the refs, they had that penalty call in overtime in game five. And, uh, and then in game six, hmm. they had, they had the team uh, on the ropes three to one going into the third period. And then Carolina just did what they de- did, what they do and turned it on. So yeah, it was really unfortunate the way it ended. Yeah. Uh, I, 
I, I can appreciate what you said about Gabranson because I was one of his one of his harshest critics. I mean, for me, I get the the veteran presence idea, but at the same time, like when that veteran hasn't really had any presence and any success <laughs> on any other teams, it's kind of like what, what what presence does he really bring other than he's just got game experience? And so that was kind of frustrating. Harper also kind of got you know flat footed though too, and so I was yeah. kind of wondering where like where Fabro is, which. Who knows at this point? We're still kind of waiting to get some feedback other than the coach speak we've already gotten. But what would you say outside of the playoffs? Like, what was your greatest source of frustration from the team uh, as far as like what just what was kind of a reoccurring thing where you're like, how have we not figured this out yet? And we're 56 games to the season. Uh, but then also, you know, what was your what was your greatest, I guess, um, mark of pride on the team? Hmm. It's a great question. I mean, uh, I would I would say it kind of changed. So like initially the biggest frustration I think uh, most people had, and I would agree is early on just, I mean, Ellie Tolvin it didn't even play in the month of January. Mm-hmm. And then he, then he comes and plays in February. And though the month of February was a pretty bad one for the Preds, like he was the only bit of offense. Like he was, he was the only thing that was a threat. And so it makes you think like if he had been playing this whole time, could they be in not as big of a hole now it ended up they ended up making up for it with just create that crazy run at the end. But I, so that was probably initially the first one. Ellie told them not playing, uh, and then uh, and then I think towards the end of the year it was really just more about. Um, I, I don't think that I had any t- too much frustration with the team moving into the playoffs, except for the good Branson thing. And just just to, not to belabor the point, but when they traded for him. I mean, it was such a typical David Poyle move because he always gets some sort of depth defenseman at the deadline. I mean, he's done that like seven out of the last eight years or something crazy. Like always, always gets gets someone. So like, I was like, that didn't really surprise me. They went and got someone. It was a very, very cheap, almost, almost an ex- almost free uh, acquisition. I just was like, I don't think there's any way he's going to play in the playoffs. They have too many other guys that are better. Too many other uh, players that can can do. Uh, much better with the puck than he can. And then he played the first two games. I was really just stunned by that. So I, mm-hmm. I, I could, I really had no explanation for that. Um, the other part of your question about, uh, I guess it was like what, what stood out or what was positive. Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it has to be UC Soros just because um, you, you finally saw, I mean, I, this, you know, we, we obviously saw some of the transition last year with Soros um, playing more games down the stretch, and then kind of, and then passing Rene, and then obviously Soros started in those uh, Arizona qualifying games. Um, so the, tra- the the transition had already begun, but this was solidified it right. I mean, th- this season obviously Soros is the starter. Pecorine is probably on the way out if he, we don't know exactly what he's going to do. But th- this solidified it, and it made the transition. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't even close a close decision. I mean, he was so clearly the better goalie. He's going to be the goalie moving forward. That like event, him taking over and playing so well, was the biggest thing to happen this season, I think. Because now they have a clear number one who's going to carry them all season and can play, you know, if it's an 82-game season, can play 50, 60 games and be good at it. Um, that was a huge, huge advancement. So, like, if, if nothing else they establish that UC Soros is the guy and they have that moving forward. They'll sign him to a contract, probably something like two or three years. And, uh, and they've got that. So that's that to me, that's the most positive thing. Yeah. I think UC Soros, especially like the way you look at his gameplay last couple of seasons, he's had a situation where 
he's been kind of a slow starter. I mean, even even in 2019, 2020, yeah. we saw kind of a slow start. So I'm hoping that you know with him, we'll see a little bit more consistency early on in the season. But I mean, he was lights out in the end. He was he was you know he's probably he could potentially be a Vezina finalist. So uh, we're yeah. I think we're all with you there. Clearly, you know, Rich has the. Uh, the Star Wars jersey hanging, hanging proudly. Yeah, see so, that. Nice. We, we, we're some uh, easy Star Wars stands here, but we we, we appreciate that. <laughs> we need yeah. any Star Wars stands, definitely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, the question I had for you, so I was wondering, it was kind of a hot topic on Twitter, uh, Rocco Grimaldi. Um, everybody yeah. was wondering why he was not putting the lineup. My opinion is because Hines was going with, more with size. So yeah. I wouldn't get what your take was on that. And – if he had been put into the lineup, do you think he would have made much of an impact? Hmm. Um, okay. So Rocco Grimaldi to me, like uh, he is kind of a one, one dimensional player, but like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think you could say he wouldn't make an impact. I mean, the, the guy, I mean, he like, I guess he, he led technically led the team in scoring in that Dallas series in 2019, even though he only scored like three goals. Um, the guy can can play at a very high level. Uh, they sign him to a contract, a, a contract number that makes makes it sound like he should be a starter in the playoffs. I mean, he's got like a two year, two million dollar a year contract. Like, that's a starter to me, and uh, or at least a rotation player. And the fact that Victor Arvidsson was out with an injury, it's like right. they're kind of interchangeable. Obviously, Victor Arvidsson probably a little bit better of a skilled player, but um, yeah, I mean, like. Why did you not have one of those two guys in? If, if Arvidsson's out, why is Grimaldi not in? I mean, the, the decision to play Brad Richardson over Grimaldi or yes. um, yeah. a couple others yeah. was, was very curious as well. Uh, Richardson, obviously UFA, he won't be back, I'm sure. Um, but, but Grimaldi will. You know, what, what, if I'm Rocco, I, I'm like, what, what is my role exactly now? I mean, oh, I, I, thought I, yeah. I thought I was signed to play on this team, and then no, and he played well. What do you have like eight, nine goals this year? I mean, he, he, he was a fifth leading scorer on the team. Yeah, I mean, he was actually yeah. tied for fifth with uh, Conan and Arvidsson. Yeah, I mean, one of those is like that. Obviously, he has that one four goal game. That's pretty. That's gonna skew your numbers Inflated, a little bit. Yeah, but still, like he he was consistent and. And, and like you said, the speed, I think John Hines, it's pretty clear at this point, he wants size in his lineup. Um, why, that's why he put Branson out there. It's why he put Ben Harper out there in every game of the series. Um, but he also has this thing with, you know, playing the right way and playing, making good decisions. I mean, he's, he's benched star players right. for mistakes uh, in, in the neutral zone. And it, it seems like, I don't think that's what happened here with Grimaldi. I, th- I think, he just got over overlooked in the lineup for for veteran size, so it, yep. it doesn't make any sense do to me. Have, do you think he has a uh, like he'll be on the roster next year, or do you think they might try to move him to try to get somebody else? Or so I, uh, I I I actually think he will be around, and that mm-hmm. that is based on my thought that I think they're going to try to trade Victor Arvidsson. Mm-hmm. Um, and so since I already said like they're kind of handcuffed players, like they're kind of similar. If they trade Victor Arvidsson, they pro- probably want to keep Grimaldi to have a player like that. I just think Victor Arvidsson is a player that seems to be trending down, at least in this franchise, but that other teams would definitely want. And his cap hit's not that bad, and and the Predators need to shed some cap. Uh, shed some cap. Um, I, so maybe I should say it like this. I think I think one of those two will be gone. I think it'll be more than likely Victor Arvidsson. But if, if they keep Arvidsson, then maybe yeah, maybe they trade Grimaldi instead because they don't. They clearly don't have 
the desire to keep both of them uh, in the lineup at the same time. And uh, Grimaldi seems to be a guy that, I mean, he's cheaper. So, yeah, I, I think I think one of those two is gone. I, I, my, my guess wow. would be Victor Arvidsson. Yeah. All right. Yeah, this is episode 49 of the Catfish Nights podcast. We're being joined by Alex Darty of A to Z Sports. Uh, we love his Preds coverage. Puts a really good stuff out there. So go follow him on, on all social media accounts for that. All right. So kind of speaking to uh, the Rocco Grimaldi and Victor Arvidsson thing, my question is, so going into the offseason now or in the offseason, what's kind of your top priority for the Preds when it comes to kind of reversing this uh, negative trend the Preds have been on where they're losing in the first round every year and they're, they can't seem to get over the hump. Uh, so, you know, we got an expansion draft to think about. We've got um, other stuff going on. Contract no- negotiations are going on. Kind of what's your top priority for this team to address in the offseason to get this thing going back in the right direction? Uh, that's a great question, and it, it fits perfectly with uh, – so I, I do a podcast uh, usually every week, uh, the Preds Nashcast with uh, Chris Link, and uh, that was actually the topic of our of our episode on Sunday. Uh, people want to check it out on the A to Z Sports Preds uh, – I'm sorry, A to Z Sports Podcast Network. Anyways, the the <laughs> my, my priority – it, it kind of goes in order of like what happens first. I mean, in an expansion draft offseason, you have a very particular order you have to follow. So like – Obviously, the protection list happens first on J- July 17th. The draft is on the 21st of July. Then the NHL draft, the entry draft, and then the UFA signing season. So with all those important things, you have to think about, you know, the priority has to be on the expansion draft right now. Yeah. It, it, some people would say the priority is signing UC Soros. You've got time to do that. I mean, like, the, you have, that date is not till July 28th. You've got to prioritize the expansion draft first. And so I think the priority needs to be in working a deal with Ron Francis, the general manager of, of Seattle to either uh, tell them who they will take. I mean, force them to take who you want them to take. So that's going to take trading assets or uh, draft picks or cap or whatever. Uh, And so if that's the case, you know, maybe they, maybe you have them take either uh, Johansson or Duchesne, or maybe you have them take a Dante Fabro or a Victor Arvidsson. And so in that way, what you do is you make your protection list not really matter because you've already worked out who they're going to take. Several teams did this with Vegas um, in the in the 2017 draft. The problem was David Poyle was, like, basically ignored. I mean, like, in that oh, one, wow. George McPhee just had all the cards and just basically told him – just didn't even pick up the phone, I, I, I would imagine. Oh, wow. uh, so, um, so yeah, David was got to get in with Ron Francis and actually have conversations to take a deal because he can't be in a situation. The, their protection list situation is like kind of crazy because either they're going to have to expose someone like Dante Fabro or Alex Carrier, um, oh. or, or they're going to have to protect or, or they're going to leave a ton of forwards unexposed or exposed rather. And, you know, if they do that, maybe they just expose Johansson and Duchesne and hope they take one of them. Um, because, you know, these things are always these these things are about, you know, relationships like I don't know it, much about David Poyle's relationship with Ron Francis. I would hope it's a good one. Uh, but Ron Francis is, has the leverage here. He doesn't have to talk to David Poyle. He can just force David Poyle to do to deal with it on his own. And he's just going to take whatever player he wants. That's a that's a problem. So David Poyle's got to go to him with some some sort of incentive and say, um, all right, I'll send you a third round draft pick and this prospect. 
if you take Ryan Johansson's contract or you take Victor Arvidsson or whatever, and then his protection list doesn't matter. You get to keep all the defensemen you want. You keep all the forwards you want, and uh, and that's it. So that's the priority to me is from now until July 17th, he's got to get in with Ron Francis and, and work a deal. Well, and it's interesting you mentioned the relationship piece because obviously like players that maybe aren't protected, they're like, okay, what's my long-term future with this team? So it's like, you know, if you're uh, Ryan Johansson or Dante Fabro and you're not, and you're left unprotected, then it's like, okay, well, how does this team really feel about me? Was this just a business move or is there something else, you know, beyond that? <laughs> but um, I think that that's a really interesting take as far as like what the priorities might be for that. And, who, who knows? Because it seems like one of those things where Duchesne was trending upwards. Matt Ryan Johansson was trending upwards. Dante Fabro was trending downwards. Victor Arvidsson's struggled. So it's like, where, where do you, where does that put us? And yeah. obviously, Alexander Carrier is a young guy who just stepped up and looked really good in doing so. And so it's like, man, I hate to see him go. But Yeah, um, people people talk about just while you're talking about that that issue of the like players getting exposed or whatever. I, people have mentioned that before. I, I honestly, I don't know if the players really worry or think about that. I, I think that they probably think about it in some level, but you know, they also think about David Boyle. Like he's he's treated certain players very differently over the years. Like he gave Roman Yossi a no move clause. But he didn't give that to Ryan Ellis. He didn't give that to Ryan Johansson. Like he, you know, obviously Pecorine seems to be just have whatever whatever contract he wants, he gets. But like other players, no. So like. I think they already know they're treated differently. They also know it's a business. They also know like the expansion drafts are really tricky with the way things work. So I, I wouldn't think that a player like a Johansson would get like all up in arms. Like I wasn't protected. What does that mean for me? Um, yeah. I, I, I just, I'm assuming I, I really don't think that that's, that, that's the case. Um, but yeah, uh, you mentioned Alex Carrier. Um, we were talking in, in the podcast and I was talking with some other people. I was um, talking with Adam Bingen of the athletic and I was talking with uh, um, Jeremy Gober who used to work with one or two five. We are, we are pretty sure at this point, if, if they had, if they only protected four defense, if they went the eight skaters route and they did four defensemen, like to me, Alex Carrier is the fourth defenseman and they would expose Dante Favreau at this point. Like it, it, it's so clear that that guy has passed Favreau. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all see. It. I mean, he looks better. Yeah. He looks like a great defenseman right now, and in the playoffs, looked outstanding. Put in a lot of good minutes. He would be the fourth defenseman they protect, not Dante Fabro. That's what I think. Yeah, yeah, we all agree with that as well. I've asked this question. We've asked it a couple times uh, amongst ourselves. So, if it came down to Duchesne or Johansson to go to Seattle, which would you prefer to stay in Nashville? Ooh. I think Ooh, I would good. prefer. Yeah, it is a great it is a great question. I I think if 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 I'm if I'm either a fan of the team or if I'm the front office or just the organization as a whole, I would prefer to keep Ryan Johansson. But the fit for Ryan Johansson in Seattle mm. is really kind of perfect for them because like he's got the one C experience. Like if you look at the other protection list, I don't know if you guys have dived into this, but uh, look looking around at the other teams and their protection there's not really a player like brian johansson there's not a lot of first line centers with first line center experience um like right and there's no one like it so like they they if they really want to try to build a, a roster from down the middle um brian johansson makes a lot of sense he's also you know kind of from the area he's from vancouver so it's like i mean that doesn't mean everything but could could mean something to them so uh I, I I don't think Duchesne would make sense because he's been playing so much wing. 
yeah. I mean, he's still a center in my mind, but you know, he, he if they really want to go get centers, which are very hard to find in an expansion draft, Brian Johansson's right there. Yeah, so, that's a really good point. Um, and, and, and it, but I, you know, I just said Brian Johansson would make sense in Seattle. I would prefer to keep him in, in Nashville because of those same reasons. He is a, they've been treating him like a first line center. Also his term is one year short. So, uh, he's a little bit, little bit cheaper in terms of Duchesne and what they need to do. But yeah, I, I could see either one. I could also see like none of that happening and them <laughs> working a deal. <laughs> Working a deal, and they take I don't know Victor Arvidsson or Fabro instead, and then you keep both of them. And, and now that line with Johansson, Forsberg, and Duchesne, you get a whole season of them. So I don't that's know. That's a really good point. That's a really interesting uh, stuff about this expansion draft. Um, you know, I, I still kind of have nightmares about James Neal losing James Neal in that expansion yeah. draft, just because yeah. I was really hoping at the time that we could keep keep James Neal. So. Um, I'm really hoping it's not Alexander Carrier. That would be like the worst, yeah, worst scenario for me, definitely. But right. um, I'm, I'm I'm leaning right with you, uh, Alex. As far as I'm hoping it's either Matt Duchesne or uh, Ryan Johansson. But I would also prefer to keep Ryan Johansson over Matt Duchesne. Even though yeah, I think Matt, Duchesne, I think Matt Duchesne play gets way more criticism than he should get from people. I don't really understand totally it. I, I I get that he doesn't all the goals like that's what people want first obviously is the goals but i mean he does so much on the ice and alex i know you do a lot of the analytics and you look at a lot of that stuff and maybe just to round out this segment with you can you just kind of like talk about and maybe some of the analytics you've seen i know you did a great piece covering the preds power play that was a really great read uh so if you just maybe want to round out the round out our segment with you on that just kind of some of the analytics that really stood out to you when it comes to the preds regarding their power play regarding maybe Matt Duchesne or just maybe some other stuff you really have yeah. noticed about this team. Okay. So I, my thing with Matt Duchesne, and I think a lot of people would agree with this is just his deployment has been so strange since the day he got here. So he, he gets here July, 2019. He's like hailed as the second line center and then slowly just slides down. He becomes the winger plays left wing. Even then he goes to the third line center, third line wing. He, I mean, he got some fourth line minutes. I mean, in terms of time on ice, as well. Meanwhile, Ryan Johansson is just like stuck at the top. I mean, like he's not moving. It's just very strange. And you know, I've, I've made I made the comparison that it's it's not dissimilar from the the trajectory that Kyle Turris went on when he was yes. brought in as a second line center and just slowly slid down and then got bought out. So it's like you really don't want that to happen. Mm-mm. So it is huge that. John Hines finally gave Duchesne some line mates because, man, like Duchesne d- spent a lot of the year playing with Eric Halla, Nick Cousins, Cali Yarncroak, fine players, but not Philip Forsberg and not Ryan Johansson. So, I mean, I think the idea is that they don't want to stack just one line, but look, you've got to have like one line that does something and, and is effective and dangerous. So if you put your three best forwards on one line, at least you've got that. If you spread everyone out and teams can isolate and protect against, you know, Phil Forsberg or Matthew Shane, it just makes your team less effective. I mean, like it means that they're not worried about any particular line over the other. I mean, they can just, they can roll whatever they want. You increase the other team's depth in other words, but um, just in terms of the analytics, I don't, I didn't see anything in Matthew Shane's game that suggested that he's really slowed down other than his production. 
and production is almost entirely dependent on your line mates. I mean, like he's an assist guy. He's a he's a playmaker first. And I'm sorry, but Brad Richards, 36, 37 year old Brad Richardson, is just not he's not going to fill up the net like Philip Forsberg. So um, yeah, it, it's it's really frustrating that that uh, it, it took that long for that to happen. But um, I I, I kind of think that they'll probably you know there's a lot of options for them. And I feel like now a new option that emerged out of that playoff series is why don't we just keep them both, keep them both, ship off someone else, cut, cut cap elsewhere, which is why I mentioned Victor Arvidsson and uh, keep them both in there because that might, that makes, that would make sense if you want to have a, a good effective offense, at least on one line. So um, I don't really know if I'd talked about any analytics in there, but it, uh, <laughs> Well, in, yeah. in, in the interest of not uh, not talking about something I don't totally understand. Uh, I've, got, I've got kind of a follow-up to that, and it might be yeah. somewhat analytic-related, but I think some of the frustration, especially early on in the season, it seemed like this team, and even late in the season, really, it seemed like this team relied more on just the sheer will of the players and the skill or the, the skill sets of the players to actually produce any kind of offense. I mean, our defense was pretty solid, and they show their talent naturally, and I think that kind of just naturally fits in those pairings. But our forward groups, it seemed like we had to rely strictly on the skill sets of each individual player to do something and then to somehow culminate together. It felt like the system was somewhat ill-defined. And so based mm-hmm. on that, like, what are, do you think that the system is working? Do you think John Brantz or John Hines has, you know, do you think his, his future is really solid or do you think it's kind of shaky? Do you think the system is somewhat ill-defined and that we need to be more exotic or more creative in how we approach our forward groups and our offensive approach? Um, I, I don't know exactly what John Hines' future will, will be. I mean, I, I think he'll definitely get another year. Um, yeah. I, I don't know beyond that. I mean, if, it, if he doesn't make the playoffs next year, maybe not. But um, I, in terms of his system, you know, from, from when he first got in here, his system is, is very reliant on the forwards to generate offense themselves. I mean, the, the defense it remains in structure from – their own zone through the neutral zone into the offensive zone. The only, the only exception to that is Roman Yossi who just gets to do whatever he wants. Uh, but the rest of the defense and, and uh, even Yossi to some extent is, is in, is in formation is in, is in a very strict structure. And so that means that the forwards have to generate a lot of offense on their own. Um, and that's, a, that's a, that's a change for a lot of, uh, for a lot of fans to watch because I think, you know, they got used to Laviolette system where the defense is just jumping up into the play all the time and, and the forwards are rotating to protect the point or whatever. And that's one, you know, that's one reason why Victor Arvidsson was so successful because he just, he loved playing in that system. And now he's like kind of having to generate a lot on his own and he's just not as good at that. Anyway, 30 feet from the circle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shooting a ton of slap shots from the, from the circle. Right. So uh, I, I kind of think that, um, you know, you need some stability at this point. I don't think – I think John Hines' system could, could work fine. I, I, I think that's fine. Um, they they definitely need to reconsider some of their player usage. And, and you know, I also think that once they get some of these younger guys to actually play a lot more minutes, Rem Pitlick to me stood out. Like, Rem Pitlick looked great this year uh, in the few games we saw him. I mean, that guy has a ton of speed. He would be great at generating some offense. Obviously, once they get Tomasino in here – uh, that would be great to see if they get Tolvin in some regular time. Um, but, yeah, it does rely on your forwards to kind of work magic, and uh, they can't just 
they can't just cycle, keep cycling and keep cycling until something comes open. They have to, they have to use their skills to get open. And that, you know, Forsberg can do that. Johansson can do that. Granlund, I think can do that, but like, and, and Duchesne, but like the other guys, Yarncroak, uh, Holla this year, Cousins, uh, Grimaldi, Arvidsson, all, all those guys, like they're not really that kind of player. So they have to, they, they have to kind of play better in a system. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think. Do, I think John Hines will get, at least get another year, and I, I think that. I think there's a lot to his game or to his coaching um, expertise that that translates well to these players. I mean, I think you saw a lot of players get a lot better when he uh, when he got here. That team, man, that team was like. Yeah. I think back to when Laviolette left. This team was like in a real bad place, like mentally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and well, uh, it's better now. Well, I, yeah. I think we also, you know, we saw Cunning, he, he kind of also started Cunning, to look yeah. like he, he was coming him, alive yeah. in that system. And so, yeah, I mean, that was my big concern is like, do we have yeah. the forwards that can really <laughs> do that, can create for themselves? Because it seems like it was so predicated on, can the defense generate some offense too, and maybe get exactly. some rebounds that the forwards can bury? That's, that was Arvidsson's bread and butter. He would, you know, get close to the net and then, you know, maybe a rebound trickles out or maybe he gets something really in close and he can shoot close. But when you're relying on Victor Arvidsson to shoot from the circle, it's yeah. the success rate was very low. So I think I think that's why I mean I think that's why David Pohl got him in here is because he wanted he was like you know what if we went back to the way things were under trots which is very similar in terms of systems it wouldn't be the worst thing because maybe we need to get back to the predator way the 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 really be a tough team to play against and a really low defensive uh, defensive game I think that's what he wants to do and um, right. you know it. Anyone who watched those games back in the day, it, they were fun for a different reason. They weren't we weren't scoring five, six goals a game. They were scoring like two or three, but they were fun to watch. I mean, they were a good defensive team. So exactly, yep. All right. Well, this is uh, <clears throat> this has been episode forty nine of the Catfish and Ice podcast. We've been joined by Alex Darby of A to Z Sports. <laughs> Alex, we really appreciate you joining us. We hope you enjoy yeah. the rest of your uh, holiday weekend, and we yeah. will catch up with you. Uh, we'll catch up with you later on. Uh, you're you're invited on the show anytime. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to come. Have you have one of you guys or all three or whatever, come on our podcast. Uh, we're we're in the process of figuring out next year too. So uh, we're, you know, obviously this year is weird, but we're uh, trying to figure that out. So yeah, thanks. Thanks what for having me uh, on. What, 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 what's the name of the podcast again? So that uh, our listeners it's, can go check that out. Well, it's called the Preds Nash cast, but it, it's kind of a, kind of a silly title, but really it's, it's just the, it's the only Preds podcast in the A to Z Sports pre, uh, podcast network. Right. So if you go to, if you go to the, you know, whatever your podcast thing is, just search for the A to Z Sports podcast network, and you'll see the 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 Preds podcast in there. So awesome. check it out. We, we will definitely check it out. Thanks, Alex. We appreciate it. Again, this has been episode forty nine of the Catfish and Ice podcast, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Everyone enjoy their holiday weekend. Stay safe. We'll talk to you later this week for episode 50.